Hey, my name is Phil and this is my wife Meredith and we are the pastors here at Cornerstone Church. We're so glad that you have connected with us here today and that you're getting ready to listen to a message that we know is going to build a resilient faith in your life. Right now in this moment and in our days ahead, let's continue declaring Jesus over every situation. Enjoy the message. I'm so glad that you're here to be part of our Christmas service together. I know that we have already been having an incredible time And I wanna take just a few minutes to encourage us as we think about the birth of Jesus. Over the next few minutes, wherever you're joining from, I would love to hear where it is you're watching from, who you're watching alongside, because I know that we have those who are devoted to Jesus and those who, if you're honest, are doubting a little bit who this Jesus is. And over the next few moments, I want us to just take this time to reflect on the birth of Jesus to think about the coming of our Savior, the thing that we celebrate at this time of Christmas. And as I was reflecting on what we would discuss today, what I would share with you in these moments, I started thinking about the power of an origin story. Every great hero has an origin story. When you think about the superhero of your choice, you think about where it is that they came from. What is the story of how they got here and how they were formed and who it is that they came to be? Even when we think of our favorite companies and our favorite brands, there's something in the story of how it all started. If I tell you to think about two nerds sitting in a garage somewhere, your brain immediately goes to the company of that origin story. There's something powerful in the way we begin. And sociologists would even tell us that you knowing your own birth story, your own origin story, what happened, what were the circumstances surrounding your coming to be here? Tell us something about who you see yourself to be, about who you grew up to be, about the way that you see the world and the way that you see your connectivity to the people that you live with. There's something powerful about knowing where it is that you came from. I know that we've started a practice that every year at their birthdays, we tell our boys part of the story of how it is they came to be in our family who it is they were becoming, because what it tells them in those moments is where our family was, where the culture was, where society was, and what their role in the midst of it is. And at this time of year especially, we take time to think about what is the beginning story of Jesus. And what does the beginning story of Jesus tell us about who he is? about why he came, about the purpose and the role and the identity of his life. I want you to keep this simple thought in your mind as we journey together over these minutes. This is a mess. That's right, you heard me exactly right. This is an absolute mess. If you like to engage in the chat, you can put it in the chat. This is a mess. Matthew and Luke took the time to write down and to tell us the story of Jesus' birth. 
Both of them approach it from slightly different angles, and both of them include slightly different details. And if we piece the two together, we get a more complete story. But the intertwining theme that I see, at least in this year, in this moment, as I reflect on the story of Jesus' birth, is that this is an absolute mess. Jesus coming into the world was not tidy, and it was not well organized. It was not clean and it was not sanitized. It was not something that you wanted to send out on an end of year postcard to the family. It was a mess from the very first moment. If you reflect back, the very first moment where we start to hear of Jesus coming into the earth, there is a young woman named Mary who is engaged to be married to a man named Joseph. Mary has been an upstanding young woman. She has kept herself for this moment. She has followed the rules of the day. She is a good person. And for her to be engaged to be married to Joseph, it's slightly different than the way we understand engagement in our day or maybe in our culture and our time in history. Mary's engagement was more like the first season of her marriage than it was the waiting period. She was considered to already be bound to Joseph and Joseph already bound to her. It's just that they hadn't yet entered the next stage of their marriage where she would come and would live with him and they would consummate that marriage. And it's in this in-between season, an angel comes to Mary and she, he announces to her what is beautiful, good news that she has been chosen to carry to birth the Savior of the world. And yes, this is good news, but also this is a mess. What is Mary to do? To go and tell Joseph, hey, I'm pregnant, but don't worry, nothing has gone on. Nothing is awry. We can still move forward as planned. This has thrown a mess into Mary's plans for her next season. And then Joseph, on hearing the news that his betrothed is now with child, is not totally buying the story about an immaculate conception. And the scripture tells us that Joseph was a good man. And so he settled in himself. He had decided in himself that he was going to divorce Mary quietly because the punishment for her having stepped out on him was steep. And he wanted to handle the situation delicately and with care, but he's dealing with a messy situation that he no doubt never intended to be part of his life and part of his journey. And it's in that moment between when he had decided and when he had acted. And I would just say to you today to take a lesson from Joseph's life, that sometimes we settle what we think is the right course of action, but to pause in those moments and allow God to speak to you before we run into action. Because when Joseph paused for a moment, in that moment of his waiting, an angel visited Joseph as well in his dreams and he spoke to Joseph what he had spoke to Mary and said, this is of God. Mary the woman, bring her into your home. Name the child, raise the child, because he will be the savior you have been waiting for. And so Mary and Joseph move forward with their marriage, but it's still 
a mess because everyone in town didn't get visitations from an angel and everyone in town doesn't see what God is doing in their life. And Mary and Joseph are now ostracized. They are outcasts. They are those lingering on the edges of community and on the edges of society. Their social structure is totally wrecked by this mess of being those who would carry the savior of the world. It's a mess. And if that isn't enough, a census is called that asks them to come back to their hometown. This is not a census like when you or when I get a census. They didn't mail something to their home address or send them a convenient email and ask for a reply in a timely manner. Mary is nine months pregnant. Nine months pregnant. I was talking with a friend this morning. He, is a, he and his wife are expecting and they said, oh, our whole life right now is on baby watch. Everything that we do in this season is around the fact that babies don't give you a heads up. They don't give you a save the date on when they're coming. They just give you a general idea. So our whole world right now is kind of just in the waiting and wondering and watching on when is this new baby arriving. And in the midst of baby watch, Joseph and Mary get a message that they need to travel to Bethlehem. What a mess. So they pack up some of their things and they put Mary on a donkey and they head on the road on the long journey to get from where they are to where they have to be. And you would hope for their sake that finally a nine month pregnant woman riding on the back of a donkey could get some relief in a moment and would be able to find somewhere comfortable. But when they get to town, there is no room for them. There's no room for them left to go into an inn. There are no rooms reserved for them. There are no beds at the hotel or any guest rooms at someone's home. Everything is full, apparently. The truth is we're not actually told why it is they couldn't find room in one of the inns. It could be that they waited too late. It could be that it took them so long on their journey that they were able, weren't able to find a space. And it could be that there weren't very many people who wanted to take on the liability of welcoming in Mary and Joseph and this messy story that's surrounding their life about a birth of a baby, but apparently they've never been together. It might be that no one was willing to welcome them all the way in whatever the reason what we know is that Mary and Joseph don't end up in a tidy room. They end up in a stable. They end up in a manger. They end up staying with the animals, among the sheep, among the goats, among the cows. They find the bare minimum of shelter that is available. And wouldn't you know it, that as they settle in hoping for some rest for the night, Mary goes into labor. Contractions begin. I don't know if you've ever given birth to a child or if you've ever been partner with someone who has, but as you walk through those nine months, you vision, you imagine, you plan, some of us more than others, what you want that moment to be like. 
I don't know exactly what Mary had envisioned for what she wanted this birth of her first child, this birth of the Savior of the world to be like, but I feel like it's a safe bet to say when she envisioned that moment, she didn't imagine herself surrounded by animals laying on hay in a partially exposed covering in a city that wasn't her home. This is a mess. This is not the plan. This is not what she wanted. She has no midwife with her. She has no sister or mother. This was woman's work in the day. All she has is her and Joseph bringing forth the Savior of the world in an unsanitary place that was not built for this, that was not made for this, that was not ready for this. And all of the normal processes of birth come to be, and before they know it, there is the baby. Here comes Jesus into the world in the same way that every baby before him and after him entered into the world, screaming and exposed to the elements, wrapped in the swaddle that they could find there in the manger and laid there in the trough that the animals would normally eat from. This is an absolute mess. I know that you have a beautiful nativity scene sitting on your mantle, and I know that we've painted gorgeous pictures of the angel who creates an, a beautiful spotlight to shine down on Jesus and the doting Mary and Joseph looking at the Savior of the world, but this is a first-time mom and a first-time dad in the midst of a barn surrounded by animals without those they love near them, looking at a screaming baby. This is a mess. And this is the story of how the Savior of the world came to be among us. For years later, when Jesus would say to Mary and Joseph, perhaps on his birthdays, hey, tell me again what it was like on the night that I was born. I doubt that they sang holy night. I doubt that they sang silent night. I think they told him how it was so unexpected. I think they told him how they found themselves somewhere they never thought that they would be. I think they told him how it was an absolute mess. Because when they tell the story of Jesus' birth, it is telling us something about why he came. Telling us the story of Jesus' birth tells us something about his identity, tells us that he came to be in the midst of our mess. He came to be in the midst of this world, in the midst of my life, in the midst of your life, in the midst of the messy places where we live every single day. There's a verse in the book of Mark 2 and 17, and it says that it is not the well who need a doctor, not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And this is Jesus speaking, and then he says, and I have not come to call the respectable, but to call the outcast. I wonder if you feel outcast today if you feel on the edge of your family or on the edge of your friend group, if you feel misunderstood, if you feel longing, if you feel like things are just a bit messier than you wish that they could be, Jesus came for you. 
That is the message that I want you to hear today. When you hear that this is a mess and you think of the birth story of Jesus, I want you to remember that he came to be in the messy places where we live. I love to watch organizational videos. You know, you can find these videos online where people go into a cupboard or into a pantry or into a refrigerator and they've organized everything in those wonderful clear plastic bins and they've lined up all of their fruits and they've chopped up all of their vegetables and all of their drink cans are rolled into a perfect slot and then they pour their rice into a gorgeous container and they've got a whole matching set and the cereal all fits into place and I watch them and I love them and I think, look how tidy. Look how organized, look how beautiful all of this looks. And about the time I start doting on the wonderfully gorgeous, beautifully organized, perfectly structured thing that I'm watching, my husband Phil will lean over my shoulder and go, yeah, but where's their shame corner? What is the shame corner, you might ask? The shame corner is the secret that everyone knows that someone who has a pantry like that has somewhere in their home. Because here's the secret. Sometimes all of the cereal doesn't fit in the same size as the container that you bought. Sometimes you have two extra pop cans that won't fit in the slot that you bought for your fridge. And so you have to do something to hide the, the cluttery, messy part that is still left over. And so there's a corner somewhere where they've shoved the extra bits, where they've shoved the extra pieces, where they've hidden away the part that they don't want everyone to see because we want to live in a facade that everything is perfectly organized, that everything is tidy, that everything is just in its perfect place. Jesus did not come for the clear organizational spectrum of your life. He came for the shame corner of your life. He came for the messy part that you're hoping no one will pay attention to. He came for the bedroom where you've shoved everything and hidden it while you're hosting guests over this weekend. He came for the part of your life that is messy, that is so messy that you don't think that anyone can see it, that you don't think that anyone can handle it. The part of you that you don't really want to share with anyone else, the part of ourselves that we think, if I can just tuck that back just a little bit longer, then no one else has to worry about it. Jesus did not come for the well, he came for the sick. He didn't come for the respectable, buttoned up part of your life. He came for the outcast spaces of your life. And when I think about Christmas, there are so many beautiful images that come into my mind. I think of lights strung on a house, lighting it up, and I think of tables that are beautifully set. Specifically, I think of the tables that my mom sets. My mom sets gorgeous tables that are ready with centerpieces and matching dishes. She prepares a place for people to come and sit. I think of trees that are decorated. I think of those lovely family photos and all of our matching sweaters, and I think of gifts wrapped and placed underneath of a tree, and those are beautiful beautiful moments. But I don't want you to look at those things and think that that is what Jesus came for. Because everyone knows that behind every string of gorgeous lights, there was a tangled up mess. 
that had to be untangled, that had to be sorted out, where the light bulbs that had gone out had to go and be replaced. Maybe you feel like parts of your life have gotten so tangled up and so confused and so messy that this ball of confusion will never be untangled and will never be untied. I think of tables after they have been set and after they have been used and the mess that is there ensuing. God came for the messy parts of your life not your perfectly made trees, but for the needles that fall to the ground, not for your perfectly set family photo in your matching sweaters, but for the toddler who's screaming, for the teenager who's just a little bit too bothered to be part of this beautiful moment. He came for every single one of those moments. He came for the paper that's been ripped and discarded and left to the side. If you feel discarded and left to the side, it's that messy moment that he came here for. Jesus' arrival created a beautiful mess for Mary and Joseph. And it is a reminder to all of us that he came to get into the mess of our life. It's a reminder for all of us that Jesus works best in messy spaces. When the angel came to Joseph, I want you to read this with me. It's in Matthew 1 and 23. The angel came to Joseph in the dream, and before he left him, he left Joseph with these words. He said, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Jesus came, he came to say, I am God with you. In the messy moment of your life, in the messy here and now, don't bring to me your perfectly wrapped presents. Don't bring to me your curated photos. Bring to me the messy corners of your life. Bring to me the shame-filled space of your life as we celebrate Christmas together this year. I want to remind us that when we see the mess that ensues when people gather together, that it's right there in that mess where we experience Emmanuel, God with us. I wanna pray for us today. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you are God with us. This Christmas, we wanna celebrate that you came to be with us. And I just ask you to show us, to reveal to us how close you are to us in the messy moments of our life. God, I ask you to help us be a church that brings to you our mess. Help us not tuck it away in shame, but help us bring it forward to you, knowing that you work best in our mess. Jesus, I thank you for that. And before we leave today, maybe you've never invited Jesus into the mess of your life. I tell you that Christmas is a great time to say, Jesus, I've heard that you work best in the mess, and I'm inviting you to come in, come into my life, come into the messy places of who I am. 
If that's something that you want to do today, it's a simple thing. I just want you to raise a hand wherever you are as a signal, as a symbol to yourself that you are making a move, that you are making a decision. And just say, Jesus, come in to my mess. I know that you'll be glad that you do. And however you are celebrating Christmas, wherever you are celebrating Christmas, we want to say Merry Christmas to you. And how good is it that we have Emmanuel, God with us.